Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Happy Friday, Beaver Nation. Welcome into the Edge Podcast. This is editor Mike Singer joined by senior writer Brendan Slaughter. Um, new podcast episode for the week. We'll be talking 2019 football schedule that dropped uh, earlier this week. Some Jamar Jefferson news um, with, with him being snubbed from the All-Pac-12 team, but landing some other honors on the way. And of course, some women's basketball and men's basketball talk. Brendan, let's let's uh let's let's talk first 2019 football schedule that released this week. Um, it's not an easy schedule in the Pac-12. Um, what were some of your first takeaways when you saw that schedule? It's tough to find wins. Uh, that's the first thing that I look at when I look at Oregon State's schedule. Um, it's it's very backloaded. Uh, I think having four of their last six on the road is brutal. Yeah. Um, that's that's my biggest takeaway. Also, um, opening up against Oklahoma State, a perennial power that's going to immediately test uh, this Oregon State uh, defense next year. There's just there's a lot of uh, a lot of takeaways, but those are my big ones. And the schedule makers for the Pac-12 worked out. So I believe every team in the conference has two buys, um, which is really interesting. Of course, Oregon State got that in 2017 because that Colorado State game got pushed back to the 26th uh, of that year. So Oregon State got two buys this year. Of course, they did it in 2018. But in 2019, two buys I thought was interesting. Let's just run through the schedule. Um, August 30th on a Friday. Um, I know Oregon State fans, from what I've read on the the damn board at BeaversEdge.com, don't love Friday kickoffs, uh, which I totally understand. Um, but I think it can be good for um, getting in front of a, a more national audience that wouldn't watch your games otherwise. But that can be a double-edged sword, right? If you stink it up on national TV, then that's not too good. But I think Oregon State, Oklahoma State, the battle of the other OSUs uh, might have some national intrigue. Um, And and then if you play well against Oklahoma State, maybe beat them to start the season, then you're looking at potentially starting the season 3-0. Yeah, no, there's a lot of things to like. As far as, you know, Oklahoma State goes, I think having that game on a Friday is unique because given the timing, given the, the nature of the Big 12 school, I would be shocked if that game's not at least on ESPN2, something like that, real early in the season. So the national spotlight's uh, unique. It's probably going to be like a 6 or 7 o'clock game. Like I said, summer still. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I like having it at home. It's certainly a much easier kind of non or non-conference opener than having to go play Ohio State, yeah. for instance. And, you know, um, Scott Barnes, athletic director at Oregon State, talked about the need to have, you know, a couple, you know, lower tier teams and then a couple, um, you know, one kind of real testing team. And I think that the non-conference schedule shows that the Beavers don't, you know, none of those opponents are ones where you're like, okay, that's a guaranteed loss, which kind of was what you thought when you play teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, some of the teams Beavers have played in the past. So I like how that shakes out and you never know. Uh, things can happen in Reeser Stadium. 
yeah, I obviously we know Oklahoma State's not going to be the caliber of program Ohio State was last year. I, I don't follow Mountain West football a ton, but I would venture to say Hawaii's not as good as Nevada, but I honestly don't know. I know that Rolovich dude has done a pretty good job at Hawaii, but playing at Hawaii is not an easy task either. But hey, maybe um, you know the Rainbow Warriors uh, are, are not a great team next year, but playing at Hawaii is not great. I don't love Oregon State playing uh, a road game there. And then the next week you have Cal Poly at home, which is uh, a team the Beavers should beat. Uh, and then getting into conference play. Um, the I like I like the bye week in between yeah. Cal Poly and Stanford. The bye week, two weeks to get ready for Stanford. Um, you know, best case scenario, you're probably going two and one, maybe. You know, yeah, probably best case scenario given where Oregon State's rebuilding from, probably two and one of the non-conference. And then you have that bye week. You know, we'll see what happens when the Beavers kind of put it all together next year. But I really look at that bye week as being crucial because if somehow Oregon State could upset Stanford, that could really charge momentum for the rest of the season. Sometimes having that bye week helps. As we saw this last season against uh, when the Beavers played Cal before a bye week, it didn't. But in theory, it usually helps. Sure. Yeah, so uh, after the bye week, um, so the bye week September 21st, after that you got uh, Stanford at home. The following Saturday, the Beavers go at UCLA, uh, which will be the first time in three years, I believe, they'll have played there. The next week is home game versus Utah, which Oregon State doesn't have like a, a rivalry with Utah per se, but uh, if Gary Anderson's still around at Utah, that becomes a, a very Gosh. interesting game, Gary Anderson's return. And ever since, I would say, um, in that 2017 recruiting class when the Utes stole away TJ Green from Oregon State and then they tried to go after David Morris late in the recruiting process, Beaver's Edge members, uh, <laughs> let's just say, haven't been uh, proclaiming, not, not saying nice things about Utah um, uh, some Hard Rock fan and, and OSU Beef have talked about pr- making uh, shirts uh, with a, a word that rhymes with suck on it, Utah. Um, let's, just, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. So that game's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I believe most of the Gary Anderson return to Utah State talk is kind of dwindled down from yep. the national media. So it looks like Gary will return to Utah, and that will be very interesting with his return to Corvallis. Um, the following week, uh, the Beavs go at California. And then another bye week um, in late October, and the following week going at Arizona. That'll be, um, th- this is just a brutal stretch looking at uh, Utah, at Cal, at Arizona, and then going or at home versus Washington, um, another, uh, Jonathan Smith playing again, his former school, going to be a tough, um, tough matchup again with Washington, and that's on a Friday. Um, I think that's a, a unique game for the Beavers to play, Washington, um, I haven't looked at their schedule, but you figure Washington will maybe be in the running for uh, a playoff bid potentially at, at early November, depending on how their season is going. But Washington's a team from the Pac-12 that uh, will typically fight for a playoff spot. So, hey, 
Maybe a, a top 10 Washington teams coming into Corvallis on a Friday night could be something special. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Jonathan Smith obviously is going to have a much, much more improved team, a lot more weapons in his arsenal, so to speak, in kind of the 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 second round of Smith versus Peterson. So I expect that game to be uh, very unique for the Beavers and, and, a, and a good chance for them to be competitive because we saw um, up in Seattle, I mean, the Beavers played a lot better in Seattle uh, this this last season than they did at home against Oregon. I mean, the Beavers, you know, obviously that game was – gonna go Washington's way but I was you know the Beavers played really well in, in a couple different areas against Washington up in a tough Husky stadium so I like how they match up with Washington for sure so that's November 8th on a Friday the Beavs play their next game on the 16th at home against Arizona State and that's actually senior day that'll be a very early one um, considering Oregon State will still have two games to play after that at Washington State and at Oregon, tough way to end the season. The Pac-12 North, it's just a tough conference. Um, so the Beavs miss USC, and who's the other team from the South they don't play? Colorado. They miss Colorado. Yep, so USC which, and Colorado which, off which, the schedule. Which, given, I, I think given um, you know Cliff Kingsbury now moving over to USC, I expect them to be a well-oiled machine next year, So at least offensively. So I think that's good that they miss USC. Um, not missing Colorado kind of up and down. Obviously that was Oregon state's only win in conference last year. They have a new coach going through a rebuild, but still have a, you know, it's, it's, you know, not easy, but it's preferred to start a rebuild when you have a solid quarterback and the buffs have that and Steven Montez. So you can kind of play that him and Han game, you know, all you want, but you know, uh, schedule is just the way it shakes out. And, you know, like I said, those four out of the last six on the road, uh, that's 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 something like I haven't seen Oregon State uh, Oregon State have on a schedule maybe since I can remember in recent memory. That's a brutal finish. So, Brendan, we're recording this podcast Thursday, December 6th, around 6 p.m. Um, so let's talk wins and losses. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> Want to just go through the schedule one by one? Yeah, so Oklahoma State. Got that as a loss. I'll take a loss. Hawaii, I can remember, you know, looking at the schedule around, you know, this time last year and looking at that Nevada game, and I thought that that would be a loss, and I'm looking at this one. I I don't know how good Hawaii is. That's that's, um, kind of the unknown variable for me at this point, and playing at Hawaii – um, you know, the for time zone might be a pretty late game too. I'm not sure on that one. I'm gonna peg it as a win. Uh, I'm gonna peg it as a win. I don't. If Oregon State plays to their capabilities, like I said, that that Oklahoma State game will tell us a lot about where this Oregon State team is, and there'll obviously be a lot of new faces. You know, we'll have you know Tristan Jebia presumably um, running the show from quarterback. You know, the additions of. Tyjon Lindsay, amongst others, on the defensive end. So um, I like Oregon State's chances against Hawaii, and I'll peg that as a win and for, for a second-year team, for sure. You brought up Jebbia, so I think Jebbia will – he's good enough to get that win for sure. Yeah, man, just thinking about the offense. Jebbia, Jefferson, yep. Isaiah Hodgins. Okay, we're, we're talking about a pretty formidable trio. and then at, least on the off- at least on paper. Right, yeah, we've gotten ahead of ourselves before. Yes, um, we have. I don't want to talk about that season, but um, 
so yeah, but anyway, so Hodgins, Hodgins, Javier Jefferson, quite the trio, and then and then yeah, Brandon Kipper and Lavaca coming back to be a. Gus Lavag is going to be a senior already, man. Where does where does the time go? Time flies, and the other thing that I like about this is Oregon State and Hawaii got a little budding rivalry after you know Oregon State had the um, Nick Rolovich come out and you know kind of accuse the Oregon State coaching staff of kind of going after his players. Uh, Leahy uh, Sayunoa from on the defensive line. Um, Great pronunciation there. Be proud of you. And. Um, uh, I'm tra- I'm drawing a blank on Kefense the other uh, Henson. And Kefense, yes, both those guys are from Hawaii. Kefense was obviously the offensive coordinator. Leahy uh, was the defensive coordinator at the time. So there's a lot of connections, a lot of intrigue there. Uh, it's early in the season. I can't imagine Hawaii boasting an unbelievable team. So yeah, I like their chances uh, heading into that Cal Poly game too. Yeah, so I think um, Cal Poly's a win, obviously, or should yep. be. Yep. So looking sure. at two and one. Stanford at home off the bye week. Um, they should have a new quarterback, um, right? Stanford's quarterback yeah, graduating. Stan- yes, yeah, Stanford uh, obviously will have a new quarterback as KJ Costello is going to graduate. Um, it, you know, sometimes it's better to play Stanford early. Uh, Oregon State had this game, you'll remember, a couple years ago. Um, I believe it was either Gary Anderson's first or second season, and Oregon State opened up conference play with Stanford, and they played them very tough. It was yep. Gary Anderson's first season. It was. Uh, my apology. And they played Stanford really, really tough and were right on the cusp. Then you think last time in Research Stadium, Oregon State was just inches away from beating Stanford as Ryan Nall had a costly fumble late, cost Corey Hall a chance at a win, almost guaranteed as a as a coach. So. I, you know, call me crazy, but I think I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go with Oregon State in that one. So Beavers three and one to start the season, and, and uh, Oklahoma State at that point is gonna be four and zero. Oh, so everyone's gonna be like, "Man, Oregon State, we're going to the playoff. We're going to the playoff." <laughs> no, okay. Uh, next Saturday is at UCLA. I got I got that as a loss. I don't think I don't think you're going to be able to beat Chip Kelly in year two down there on the road, especially after you know a very physical game against Stanford. They might win, but I don't like their chances down in the Rose Bowl. So then we got the Beavers at three and two heading into the Gary Anderson Bowl, <laughs> uh, if you will. Um, Utah's a tough team, man. It is. Utah loses a lot of players from a very good defense this year. You think of. You know, Chase Hansen, a couple of the other linebackers. You know, Utah's strength this year was their defense. And obviously, um, I'm not quite sure. Maybe you can fill me in here, Mike. Was Tyler Huntley a senior coming in, or does he have another year of eligibility left? I do not know. But. So that would be a question whether or not it's going to be Huntley or uh, Jason Shelley. But either way, Utah's defense loses a lot. Um, you know, it's one of those where I think if Oregon State's going to win games, it's going to be early on their schedule. You know, those. Young teams don't tend to do well on the road. Um, it's a 50-50 for me, but uh, given given the, you know, there's a lot of players on this team that, you know, are going to have some motivation to go against Gary Anderson's team, even if he's just a defensive line coach. Yeah. And if they beat Stanford, I could see him beating Utah. Huntley will be back next year, according to the Google okay. search. Um, okay. So are you taking the Beavs? I am because that might be one of their last wins of the season. So and I'm that's taking homecoming. Bees. Yeah, I'm taking the beef. Four and two, um, at Cal. The, that's gonna the be, next that's week. That's gonna be a loss. That's yeah, Cal's be. looking good defensively. They're stout. Um, so was that four and three we're at heading yep. into 
uh, at Arizona off of a bye week? That's tough. You know, Khalil Tate will be back. Uh, second year of the Kevin Sumlin regime. Whoa, 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 whoa. Khalil Tate, I thought it's transferring. Is that I perhaps missed over went over my head? If that's if that's true, that changes <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, he is transferring. Okay, my apologies. Well, that that changes a little bit. Um, a new quarterback, but that deep into the season, on the road, even with a bye week, I don't like Oregon State's chances in that game either. Uh, at least a report said that he was transferring. Um, fairly certain. Yeah, it was like the day after the Civil War. Um, maybe it's not official yet. I don't know, but uh, we'll see on that. And then, uh, so, so I'm I'm sorry, I was reading up. You picked that as a loss. I do, yeah. That puts okay, us at so four and four. Four and four. Washington's probably a loss. Yep, I'm gonna peg that as a loss. Four and five. Arizona State. That's a game where I think Oregon State could get to five wins. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards is. You know, um, they struggled mightily on the road this year, and Oregon State played pretty well. Jamar Jefferson had his best game of his career against Arizona State down in Tempe this last year. Um, yeah, it's senior day. Uh, I could see Oregon State pulling that one off. It's possible. I, I could see Oregon State pulling so, that one off. Year two of Jonathan Smith, we've got the Beavers at 5-5. Five and, five. and and I think we started this podcast saying how tough the schedule was and it's going to be hard to find wins. But here we are, 5-5, five and five, with, we'll say, a pretty optimistic yeah. view of this season. We... Um, we just got some new glasses here at beaversedge.com. They may or may not be orange tinted, apparently. So five and five with two chances at bowl eligibility, but at Washington State and at Oregon. I don't think they get bowl eligibility. Not with not with the way that I mean, we know we saw what kind of a what kind of atmosphere weather wise can be in Pullman in late November. Um that's gonna yeah. be a really tough game against I mean, I'm sure by then Michael Leach will have another superstar quarterback uh, with Gardner Minshew gone. You got to figure Mike Leach will pull another one out, and will pull another rabbit out of his hat. So I'm sure Washington State will continue to hum. Uh, I don't like their chances in that game. And then uh, in Eugene, uh, an Oregon team that has oodles of talent and ran all over Oregon State this year, there may be some motivation for the Beavers to maybe play a little better than they have the last two times against the Ducks. But I don't think Oregon State's quite on the talent level of Oregon. So I, I think they conclude two losses. I think they finish five and seven. Uh, best case, best case scenario. So, so as I've been looking at this schedule, I was thinking, where the heck did they, how did they figure out two bye weeks? And they just pushed the season back a week after. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Beavers play the Civil War after Thanksgiving. Uh, yep. And then the conference championship week. Um, it's the following weekend. Like uh, it's December sixth. Um, as you know, this year it was what the first or something like that. Mm-hmm. So thought that was interesting. I just kind of thought about that. Um, so, so five and seven potentially. Um, if you look at it from the pessimistic view, you could see two wins again if they lose at Hawaii, beat Cal Poly, and then eke out one of these Pac-12 wins. So, I think the more likely scenario is while I think five and seven's best case, I could see Oregon State going four and eight this season, very similar to the second year that Oregon State had under Gary Anderson. Maybe they started slow, found some confidence late in the year. Um, we'll see, but I, I think four anywhere from three and nine to five and seven is kind of the high water mark for this team, which again is 
not a bad thing. If Oregon State wins four games, I still consider that a, a win. Even if they win five, that, that's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. So, you know, they've got, you know, you've got to build off two wins, but um, there are opportunities on the schedule. And given what we see on paper, yeah. it seems like the Beavers could be competitive in these games. I think when we think about Oregon State football and what we've seen the past few years, you kind of just have a connotation of this is how we expect Oregon State to play. But we don't know what the heck to expect from yeah. the likes of Jebbia um, being inserted likely into the starting lineup at Avery Roberts and, and mm-hmm. Gums and Lindsay. Like, we don't know how good Brandon Kipper and Jake Levengood are going to be. I've heard the world about these guys and how good they're yes. going to be, but we just don't know or what that's going to be like. Or whoever's going to play center for Oregon State. That's a, I mean, you know, you have Jake Levengood and Brandon Kipper set to take two spots, but Oregon State's got a big hole at center right now, and that's the most important position on the offensive line. So, you know, that's that's still to be determined. They'll be breaking in regardless. Three new full-time starters. That'll cause some growing pains, and uh, particularly in that Oklahoma State game is Oklahoma State. They've got some big boys on the defensive line. You know, we've got some people at the damn board here that think Oregon State needs to recruit like six centers in this class. You call the center the most important spot. I would disagree because if it were, center recruiting would be a lot more prominent than it is. Perhaps. Okay. Uh, I've just just covered recruiting. A lot of people will just take a guard and then move them to center. That's how it happens a lot of times. But yeah, center is important. You do have to be um, a very cerebral player to be able to... um, play the center spot so that's running through the 2019 schedule want to touch on recruiting real quick um the beavers have 14 commitments uh if you go uh to beaversedge.com you can scroll down to the left side of the page for looking on a desktop 14 pledges that does not factor in the four big transfers of course and tristan jebbia and uh tyjon Lindsay, the quarterback and receiver respectively from nebraska addison gums outside linebacker from Oklahoma, and Avery Roberts, uh, another linebacker, um, uh, or I should say another player from Nebraska, and he is expected to come in as an inside linebacker. All former four-star prospects, I believe all were ranked top 100 or, or top 150 or so in the class of 2017. So that brings the total to 18, and then you have Joshua Gray and Josh Bowcut. um, who are joining the program in 2019 on scholarship. So that basically just brings your total to about 20 in this class. Um, Even though those three Nebraska guys were already on campus and and enrolled in school in in 2018. Um, But just for the purposes of looking at the class, which what Oregon State's bringing in, you got 20 guys. uh, The Beavers should be able to bring around. You know, it's tough uh, to say. But I would say 24 to 25 probably be a safe number um, at the end of the day, how many the Beavers are able to bring in. Recent commitments uh, in the month of November, JoJo Forrest, uh, a defensive back from Mission, Mission Vajeo, California. Rob Vanderlaan, uh, Pleasant Hill, California, junior college offensive lineman. Jordan Whitley, junior college defensive tackle. Um, both Jordan and Rob are coming in, uh, at, in January, they are December graduates. Um, or actually Rob was a, um, what's the word, uh, full qualifier of high school. So he's coming in as a true sophomore. So he's not even a December graduate. He's just able to leave his junior college after a year because he was a full qualifier out of high school. 
So that's the recent commitments. Whitley's commitment just came four days ago on December 3rd. Um, so that was that. This weekend, Oregon State has some official visitors. Uh, just I would just say to stay tuned for the damn board on that as I'm kind of working on uh, being able to put out that information for everyone. So just stay tuned for that. That's some recruiting talk. Um, this weekend will be a rather small weekend in numbers, but as terms of quality, what I've heard from sources, a lot to be excited about potentially. And like I said, just stay tuned to the damn board. Um, if you're not a subscriber, I totally should have plugged this earlier in the podcast. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, we currently have a deal where if you sign up for a new annual subscription, you get $99 to the Oregon State team fan shop on rivals which is powered by fanatics if you're uh familiar with them they have great stuff t-shirts hoodies jerseys all sorts of collectibles um we have all of that information on the front page at beaversedge.com so make sure to check that out um so subscribe this deal um has been alive since cyber monday and i've been told by my superiors it's not going away anytime soon um so if you have any Questions about the deal, email me at beaversedge1 at gmail.com. And if you're listening and you're a monthly subscriber, I believe you're able to upgrade as well. So shoot me an email if you're interested in that. Okay, moving along. Um, let's talk a little bit of basketball, Brendan. Uh, you've been at men's and women's basketball practice this week. Um, so the women's team, 6-1, and one, and the men's team is 6-1 and one as well. So what's been the vibe um, you know, inside the practice facility this week? A lot of optimism, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, Oregon State men's or Oregon State women's, you know, both teams sitting at six and one uh, with some very winnable games coming up, some big games uh, particularly. And so far there's, you know, been optimism. The Oregon State women, you know, as I wrote about in uh, this week's story, or, you know, they're kind of finding their groove. And, you know, I feel that Destiny Slocum has unlocked so many things for Scott Ruick offensively that, you know, when, when they put it all together and they have the sh- kind of shooters that they have on the outside with uh, one of the top point guards in the country in Slocum, they're, they're, they're going to be like a fine wine. They're just going to get better as it goes along. So I expect the Beavers to continue to roll. You know, they've got a, a game against Santa Clara on Sunday that they should win a couple games against Eastern Washington, Texas A&M and Maui uh, also should be really good. And then, you know, setting up for that, uh, Duke game uh, in Corvallis on the horizon December 20th. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic to think this uh, team could run the table before uh, conference play starts, given the rest of the opponents. Uh, and I would almost expect it, given where they're at. I mean, they you know thrashed a lot of the mid-tier teams they have. They've beaten some really good teams in Western Kentucky and South Carolina. So I like them. And then flipping over to the men's side, um, you know, Big G out obviously caused a, a, you know, that was a a big hit for this team to absorb. They've only played one game without him, but that one game, it may have, you know, allowed Kyler Kelly to kind of jump in and take the reins as Kelly has been uh, very, was very impressive that game. And he can run the floor a lot better than Big G can. He can kind of, he's much more of a defensive presence in terms of shot blocking. So We'll see what happens against St. Louis. I think this team, this game against St. Louis on Sunday for the Beaver men um, is one that you're going to circle and say if Oregon State wants to make the NCAA tournament, especially with the new metrics that have come out, 
that's a game they have to win. It's a true road game, their last true road game of non-conference. So uh, against a solid St. Louis team that just beat Butler, has a couple good wins. So that's going to be a huge game for the Beavers. Good stuff there, Brendan. Uh, wrap up the podcast. Brendan, just want to give you a, a shout-out, uh, the Oregon State graduate. Um, congratulations on that, Brendan. Um, if you're on Twitter, you can follow Brendan at B underscore slot. That is S-L-A-U-G-H-T. Um, give Brendan a follow. He has been our boots on the ground in Corvallis covering the Beavs. Football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball for the past few years here at beaversedge.com. Brendan, um, before we wrap up, kind of just tell our listeners what the life is like for Brendan Slaughter right now as you're working for us. You have uh, been calling games for KBVR for the past few years and even working for the um, for the GT a little bit. Yeah, it's been a it's it's been one heck of a ride the last uh, few years. Obviously, uh, a lot of a lot of fun diversity uh, in my profile. Uh, working for Beaver's Edge, covering a lot of success. Uh, I think the the high moments of uh, working for Beaver's Edge was being able to cover a national championship winning baseball team the last two years. And I'm not sure I'll ever be able to get kind of a um, a higher watermark than being able to write about champions, and that's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, got a chance to broadcast the Final Four a couple years ago for the women's team, so that was fantastic. And you know, so far this year, both men's and women's teams are off to the uh, best start, respectively, for you know a, com- a combined for both teams uh, since you and I have been working together at Edge. So that's exciting to see the men's team kind of catching up a little bit, at least early. Um, and then you know, now I've wrapped up my college career, so exciting times right now, and looking forward to keep doing what I'm doing for a while longer. Definitely. Well, Brendan, thank you for your awesome coverage at Edge. I'm definitely uh, grateful for that and, and looking forward to more from Brendan Slaughter here at BeaversEdge.com on the Rivals.com network. I'm Mike Singer. We're wrapping up the podcast. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening.